here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Roundtable. Uh, I am Robin Reed, and I am joined for the third time in a row now. It's weird me being on the show uh, by Ollie Court. Hey there. Yeah. So uh, last weekend we were at, uh, both at the British J Cup, so we're going to be talking about that this episode. Uh, we're also going to be uh, channel a little WXW uh, shortcut to the top, and then since we're um, we've just passed like the halfway mark of the year, uh, we're going to be giving some discussion to to where we think like the the awards are heading so far. Who's built the the biggest resume in the first half of the year? Um, towards the of course the the only reason they're they're wrestling good matches to try and get the British awards. The most um, prestigious award in all of wrestling, not just British wrestling. Yeah, the the European wrestling awards that we called the Britties. <laughs> that makes total sense. I mean, it's it's being given out by free British people, so I guess it it makes sense in in that respect. But like, yeah, um, you know, spoiler, um, WXW and Volta is going to be doing very well, at least at least uh, in my mind. So uh, yeah, not not just British guys, but yeah, we'll get to that uh, probably at the end though. So yeah, uh, yeah, we'll start off with the the British J Cup. Um, from a from a sheer macro sense, uh, this was the the first uh, incarnation of the uh, eight man junior tournament um, run by RevPro. Uh, how do you think it went overall? Uh, well, obviously it wasn't like a a full on uh, bracketed tournament. It uh, was a little bit like four matches in a final, because um, obviously there was like the the first round and then the final. There weren't any like semi finals in between. And I I heard rumblings that that wasn't like um, yeah, that wasn't gonna make it like a really like strong tournament to remember. Um, and yeah, I do kind of agree with that, but it was kind of like prelim matches, and then the the main event it didn't like link up all together perfectly. Uh, but uh, in terms of match quality, I think it was uh a pretty strong tournament, and I thought the final was very well booked and well performed and. Did absolutely what it was designed to do, which was give Jushin Liger the ultimate feel-good moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a really fun show, and it it all like kind of came together. Um, and a lot of shows you you don't get that. It, there there will definitely be better shows this year and better tournaments this year. But in terms of like a cohesive story, all built around Liger, basically, 
it it did a very good job. Um, I, I thought. Um, it perhaps it, it it didn't feel anything like a Super J Cup, which is obviously the the immediate comparison you're going to get when you call it the British J Cup. Um, it it felt it was far more like small scale. It didn't have any of like the grandeur that you you get with a, a Super J Cup. Yeah, I definitely um, feel that. But I thought, was... um, obviously you left before, like, the, the celebrations afterwards and the handing of the trophy over. I thought that felt pretty big time. But yeah, the rest of the tournament did kind of just feel a little bit muted in that regard and uh, not like the 94 and 95 J-Cups. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't even that... Maybe the grandeur isn't the right word. It, it wasn't that it didn't feel important, but it, it didn't feel... Uh, I don't know how to put it. Um... In the way, like, you got a lot of, like, big, dramatic, epic-feeling matches uh, in, like, the J-Cups, uh, the Super J-Cups, especially, like, you know, the quintessential 94-95 uh, J-Cups. Um, whereas this, it felt, like, very, I don't know, compact, I guess, very cohesive, small-scale, but not in, not in a bad way. It was it was simple, but n- not as, like, a criticism. Yeah, um, it felt more like um, the Fight Club Pro Infinity tournaments, um, where it's just kind of, like, one night, only a couple of matches in it. Um, but, like, it all does build up very well. And I, I, I did think it told a good story, even if it wasn't, like, massive in scale. Yeah, everything worked, and everything built towards the, the one story that they were telling, which, in the end, was kind of... Um, the veteran Jushin Liger, like, this may be his, like, last big win, uh, potentially. Uh, it's kind of a, a last hurrah type deal. Because he's, uh, you, you wouldn't think, he's done with Super Juniors now, so he's never going to get another one of them. I think he said he's had his last um, title shot against Kushida. Um, when was that? Earlier? Was that last year, maybe? Yeah, 2016. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I think, uh, like, he's done as the big time performer so this was just so, this was a good last hurrah and obviously playing off the fact he used to wrestle in britain uh during his excursion yeah and then that kind of combating um that going uh, against like um all of marty's antics which were kind of the the focus of all of the final and then while the um the the opener didn't wasn't particularly a great match or anything i didn't think it was particularly good but that's kind of what you get with tiger mask for um <laughs> It, it did, like, set up the tone that they were going to be going for with the final. You got Marty winning by um, that kind of, uh, not a roll-up, kind of a crucifix trap pin type deal um, after, like, lots of cheating and stuff. You then saw that throughout the final. That was kind of the, the story they were telling, and then uh, Liger being the, the one to finally break it. It, it, was, it was cool to see. Um, and I'm I'm glad I saw it as a show as opposed to how I usually watch um, wrestling these days, which is I, I go in and I cherry pick individual matches, uh, especially the final. I don't think I would have gained nearly as much from just dropping in and watching just the match as opposed to th- this really was like a show that was more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I definitely feel that. So I guess we'll kind of go uh, match by match, uh, semi semi quickly now, because um, we, we've talked to a lot of the, the more macro stuff already. Um, the opener was uh, Skull versus Tiger Mask Four. Um, 
and uh, I think there was probably about six conversations in the immediate vicinity of us going, yeah, this is this the fifth worst tiger mask? Yeah, it's probably the fifth worst tiger mask. I was like, we had that conversation, then I heard someone like a, a couple of rows in front of us have the conversation. I saw Ian having the conversation. Um, the guys that were next to us had the conversation a little later in the night. I was like, yeah, yeah, we were kind of all going through it. Like, yeah, the original, I was never a huge fan of him, but you know, he's innovative at least. And then you've got the Misawa, of course, who most people put a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead of old Tiger Mask 4. Um, there, then you've got Kanemoto, who, you know, great, probably less less um, high profile than a, a lot of the other white guys. But And then, of course, you now you've got Ibushi. Um, so, and then there's this what, guy. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the music got, a, like, a big pop, and then everyone kind of kind of went, Oh wait, no, this isn't this isn't one of the good tiger this is the only not good tiger mask kind of. Um which is perhaps a little harsh. He's he's old now. You can forgive him somewhat, but I feel like he ha- he's had good like uh good prelim matches and he was decent here, but like there's there's nothing to him really. Just he is Tiger Mask, he's here. The, <laughs> the only good Tiger Mask for these days is Grumpy Tiger Mask for yeah, he yeah. really get He wasn't that grumpy here, here. he was, was like playing babyface. It was kind of greatest hits, Tiger Mask 4, and Skrull was kind of playing up to that a lot and overselling almost. Um, there, there was a cool um, top rope um, double underhook suplex, but that's kind of all I can remember from this match. And then Skrull advanced fairly comfortably. Um, at first, I was kind of surprised that he only won by like a, a roll-up crucifix trap pin type deal as opposed to um, tapping him out with a chicken win, but, you know, that ended up playing in later. Yeah, in the, yeah. that was like his, his move for the night. Yeah, so not too much to, to say about that, I don't think. Um, second match was... Ah, yeah, uh, Liger versus Bowden. This was really, really quick. Um, yeah, and at the time, we were, we were both, like, shocked. I think it was, like, two and a half minutes-ish? Yeah, I think certainly no more than three minutes and yeah they just went straight into the finishing sequence basically um possibly because Liger had another match to wrestle uh on the night and you know he's no sprightly young man anymore uh so probably needed to keep it short but also you know the to set up the future match at summer sizzler get the big surprise win and sort of, again set up Liger as the, the guy to cheer for in the final i i um i didn't think it was like anything special. I, I love a good sprint and, like, um, that Kushida uh, Hiromu sprint match. Oh, uh, yeah. something I'm tremendous. really, really looking forward to. Uh, <laughs> this I'm was not that, but it was still that. okay. <laughs> no, and it, it also, like, it kind of put everyone in the mindset that, oh, these matches can end really quickly, and so it kind of helped the, the opening sequences. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought this was good stuff. It was nothing amazing, but, um, they kept the pace high, they they ran through their spots, Bodum kind of uh, got super aggressive early, then got caught in a, a string of moves from Liger, and then ended up falling. Uh, and he, it was it was cool to see, he like, he kicked out at like 3.5, uh, which is like the, the right thing to do if you're going to have like a quick pin. Um, like, I don't think Bodum even looked particularly... I didn't come out of this going, oh, they really like Barry Bodum here. It was more like, oh, he's been caught out by, yeah, yeah. Uh, the by Liger. Veteran. 
Um, he, he's maybe underestimated him a little, and then you know he's got mad afterwards. He he kind of went after uh, Chris Roberts um, after getting pinned, like screaming at him, saying that I kicked out, I kicked out, but it was you know just after the the three count that he that he kicked out. It was like a, as opposed to the the like two point nine nine that you get with um uh you get with Okada all the time. It was like a three point zero 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 one or whatever I mean, it, was, no it was really cool there's no one better acting like a, a petulant brat than josh Bowden. so no <laughs> he's in no, his element there. Uh, indeed indeed and uh i couldn't entirely see what was going on because it was like the, the other side of the ring but um people at intermission were telling us that uh, he kind of went after uh andy quilden as well so they might be kind of building something there and of course um uh liger has been uh, announced to to be coming back for Summer Sizzler next month. And he's going to be taking on Bodum. So this kind of set up that match there. Um, you imagine that that will be like a more extended, uh, lengthier match where they, you know, to to really put over Bodum. You, you yeah, definitely. Think Bodum's winning there. Um, yeah, it'd be surprising so if it went yeah, the other way. Yeah, good booking. Uh, I was I was fine with it. Like it, and it it gave plenty of time to to the two. Um, the two matches uh, from the first round that I was more looking forward to. So yeah, I was I was cool with this. Then what was next? Kashida um, O'Reilly. Um, Surprising that this wasn't uh, before intermission. Yeah, yeah. This I, I I I too was kind of surprised to see this go on third. But I guess you did have two consecutive. Uh, best of the Super Junior Finals rematches, so they they kind of yeah. I only, I only realized that when it was happening. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it this was good. It, this was a very good match that would have perhaps been a great match in front of a crowd that was not like dying from heat exhaustion. <laughs> um, like yeah, it did subdue the crowd a little bit. Um, and not in the because obviously there was quite a quiet crowd for their match at the York Hall um, a couple of years ago, but that was sort of like, it was so technical that everyone was just like intense watching it and not really making any noise, kind of like at the uh, WXW Ambition shows where everyone's like too busy like watching all the minutiae of what's going on. Yeah. Whereas here it was a bit more just like, ugh, <laughs> I'm fucking sweating. My sweat is sweating. <laughs> Yeah, and towards the end of that York Hall match, like, people, like, really did... The match built so well that everyone yeah, bought yeah, into it, and yeah. he's getting great reactions by the end. Um, this one, like, it was... I, I don't think technically it was as good as the York Hall match, or or even the um, uh, the first-round Best of the Super Juniors uh, match that they had in uh, 2016, which I thought was absolutely incredible. Um, but it... it it was still a really good match and well worth watching. Um, but with with technical matches like this, I think you really need like a crowd. I don't, it's kind of hard to put. I think compared to like a comparable quality match that's more like a kind of your indie work rate match, you're gonna get. N- easier reactions from the work rate like lots of moves match compared to the technical match even if they're like on the same level um and because because i don't think the um toguchi match uh, against osprey that that followed it was a better match but it was kind of an easier match to get reactions and it, it, it it had a hotter crowd um and and that match too was really good but i thought this was a better match but with a worse crowd because of just 
that very no, I get that. not like, funny. So this this is still very high level. Uh, but they have set the bar so high that maybe because they didn't like clear like better of their matches that they had previously, if like they only matched it or were slightly worse than like those two matches you talked about earlier. Um, so maybe that was a tad disappointing, but or yeah, fair enough. Like <laughs> it was still a really good match. I can't really ask for anything more. Yeah, not everyone went, needs to knock it out the park. I went like uh, three and three quarters, and I was like very much considering going four. So it was like right on the verge there, and like I think that's their fifth best match that they've had together out of five, yeah. which just shows where the bar is for these guys. I did, I did really enjoy the ending though. It felt very definitive with Kushida hitting his new finisher on O'Reilly and sort of putting him in the rear view for good, like in terms of that story that they've told across all their matches across the continents. Um, like it's been an excellent pairing, one of the better like matchups New Japan have made uh, in like this era. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's 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 an important series. I think we'll look back on it and be like, wow, they did something seriously good with this. And even this, even if this was the worst of those matches, it was still a very good match and still added to that pantheon. Yeah, it speaks more to the quality of the the matches that have gone before it than the the um, lack of quality of this one for sure. Uh, that yeah, those knees that O'Reilly w- was hitting to get out of yeah. the um, uh, the uh, hoverboard lock was that they were brutal. That was just I was so into the match at that point. Um, yeah, great, great stuff. Uh, and then um, Osprey and Taguchi followed up with a very different match. Far more light-hearted match, but like really fun, really good. Yeah, that definitely very high-energy, fast-paced match. Um, and Taguchi just kind of went into overdrive with his shtick, and like <laughs> I'm very much into the Taguchi Japan stuff right now. Um, it sort of breathed new life into Taguchi when he was sort of straddling the line between serious and comic. Uh, it wasn't as good, but like in the, in the last like couple of years, he's really gotten into embracing the comedy character but also having really good matches within it like wrestling the match with his ass hanging out which is like the rule of wrestling if you're if your pants get pulled down you have to you can't like fix them for the next at least a couple of minutes gotta run through some spots with the ass hanging out and that, that was just that was good to see the funky weapon up close and personal like never before yeah that um that um, Topecon Hilo he hit um, with his ass yeah, hanging out. He did, but he did the dive. It was perfect. It was <laughs> the perfect. Apollo fifty five. And then he he does the he does the taunt and everything, and his ass is still hanging out. It was usually I'm not into comedy matches, but this one just it's because it wasn't a full comedy match. It was yeah, yeah. It was a really good match with comedy seamlessly mixed in. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this. Um. And it was a great way to to go into intermission. Yeah, so Osprey uh, advanced here. So so to give us the the final four of um, final four of Skrull, Liger, Kushida, uh, and Osprey. And um, going into that, we were I think all four of us were really unsure of who was coming out winning. I think there was arguments for all four guys. We were thinking. Um, when I first asked you at the beginning of the night, you you said uh, Kashida, didn't you? Yeah, I was think I was thinking uh, because obviously it's the G1 coming up. You know, the juniors don't have a lot to do. They could probably get uh, Kashida in August. In the end, it was the other guy um, coming over. But yeah, I figured that a New Japan guy would win. My um, 
at the beginning of the night, my my logic was I think Osprey was winning over Kushida to finally get his his win over Kushida because he's lost so many times to him now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which you know, both those at the time definitely made sense. And then like we we kind of both reached a point toward just as the final was happening, about to happen. We were thinking, you know what, Skull could kind of do this because. He had his his big story with Saber, and he he kind of ended up on the losing side of that. Um, yeah, is it still happening? Kind of, maybe not really. Now that Saber's turned heel, you'd think. Um, so he kind of needed something to do. So we're like, oh, maybe maybe Skull wins this and has a to to kind of give him uh, a trophy after he's kind of unsuccessfully challenged for the the big belt. Um, and then we. We all kind of midway through the final, we kind of went, "Nah, this is Liger's, isn't it?" But it it was yeah, yeah. it was showed how well it was booked. Um, that there were logical, um, like sequences you could go through in your brain for all four four of the finalists, and it's it's always fun to like not know who's who's winning, but beforehand. Um, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So they did a good and job. I, I think they did do a good job of. Like it wasn't ever going to be like Tiger Mask, but I think they they kept it open enough. Yeah, going in, I think there was, uh, you could probably make a, an argument for maybe six guys out of the the eight that could win. Um, with with O'Reilly probably being a bit of a stretch, being as he's probably not sticking around too long. Um, with like, but. Bodum could have easily won if they were booking it like a a Super J Cup, um, in that like the the champion mm. usually ends up winning. Um, yeah. So the the first half of the show was was a lot of fun without necessarily completely blowing us away. Um, but they kept things pretty compact, um, which is is always nice, especially in the 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 absolute sweat box that the the arena ended up being. <laughs> Um, so then we had a, a brief 20 minute, 25 minute intermission. Um, I mean, by this point, we'd all sweated all the sweat out of our bodies, so there was, there was comparatively less sweat in the second <laughs> half because it, it all it already expired already. We were already dying, and the the bar queue was stretched twice around the arena, so there was no way we were. <laughs> like, you, you could have gone to the barcue at the beginning of intermission you might have been out by the main event like <laughs> it was it was a long one it was a long one and apparently it was even longer uh, it was even hotter at the um on the balcony because the two of us were, were both on the floor um i like um the walthamstow um assembly hall as an arena this is the second time we've been there after being there for Global Wars last year. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. It doesn't look like a wrestling venue. But it's... It looks like uh, a palace. Like, we thought the York Hall was hot in summer, and it is, but, oh dear, the, um... <laughs> and there is air conditioning systems, like, they, they are there, they just weren't turned on. I'm not sure if, like, they, they didn't have the... But, yeah, the... They hate wrestling fans. Perhaps, but yeah, I I appreciated the venue a lot more um, when we were there in November than in yeah. the middle of summer. <laughs> um, and kind of speaking of, not, I guess not technical issues, but venue issues. Um, the one thing that that did kind of plague the the show as a whole was the uh, the sound system. Just they couldn't get it right throughout the whole the the whole night, could they? Yeah, it was like slowly dying throughout the second half. 
before they eventually just like gave up the ghost with it, uh, which was a little bit dis disappointing. Um, not the usual for Rev Pro, certainly, but yeah. So certainly something that nagged the show a bit. And you could see it was really irritating Andy in his face, like, yeah, yeah. um, because uh, they do usually have very, very good like standards for that sort of thing. Um, and this this did just come across as a bit of a fluke. Um, every time they um they turn the music on to to start like uh, a section, it made me jump out my skin because they were blasting it out. I think that might have like blown the speakers. It was so loud that they were <laughs> they were doing Quite, it. That might have been the problem, yeah. Because um, throughout the the second half, there was the kind of the a buzzing. Um, I wonder how how well they'll be able to edit that out um, on the VOD. Because at the time of recording, I think it's just dropped, dropped, and neither of us have had a chance to to go back and rewatch anything. Um, I don't think. Yeah, it's literally a couple of hours ago. So, um, as we're recording, so it'd be interesting to see if they they manage to to make it not uh, an assault on the ears from the, the <laughs> kind of high pitched buzzing they they got. Uh, and then towards the end, Andy's mic died like midway through the main event introductions, and I've never seen Andy look so like depressed as he was trying to announce Jushin Liger and just like uh, shouting into a mic, hoping it would it would give him something, and nope. Nope, alas, no. Um, but you know, it, mics aren't what we we came to the show for. Um, nope. So then the second half kicked off um, with uh, a semi-surprise Tempura Boys match. I think most of us were kind of expecting it to be there, or at least in our little circle, because we knew they yeah, were yeah. at the show and um, uh, they were going to be wrestling for WCPW. Uh, was that? Yesterday, the night before, yeah, yeah, like around um, that week, uh, and they ended up going up against the the contenders, um, two of the contenders division in uh, Curtis Chapman and Josh Wall. Yeah, Josh Wall. Um, this was a, it was a solid enough match. It was fine. Yeah, I think it was it, the most intrigue was just seeing uh, Shotanaka and Yohei Komatsu, or as WCPW call them. Yohei Komatsu and Shotanaka. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I thought Shotanaka looked really good. Like, he just looked like a vicious bastard. <laughs> yeah. But the, the excursions turned them, in, turned them into nasty boys. They used to be so nice. Like, Yohei looked good, but Sho looked like a star here. Like, like... Even though he's got the Masato Yoshino uh, useless straps. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, at least Yoshino's ones, like, hypothetically, he could wear them. I don't think it would be possible at all for for show to wear his. <laughs> they were so short, like yeah, they'd get up to about his like nipples. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe they were super stretchy, but he didn't put them on at all, so they were just there. Um, but yeah, um, his chops. But he though, he has like a a serious feature as like uh, the heel of the junior division. Yeah, and he's he's big enough that like, like Yohei, he's destined to be. Uh, a junior forever. Um, like he's he just doesn't look like he has the frame to put the size on. Yohei's big yeah. enough that like there's potential for him to move up to heavyweight far down the line. Um, because he's he, he's a big guy, but he's not the tallest. But like he he's taller than Ishii, and he's probably not. Yeah, that if, much they, if they put him on the uh, on the evil diet, you could see him getting to around that size. Yeah. Yeah, but you'd expect him to come back as a junior and at least have a run as a junior first. 
but like mm. he really brought a great viciousness to to the match um here like his his chops was crazy crazy good uh and then that that finish the um wasn't quite a, a um a package power driver but it was in that style we kind of did the uh, the old arms through the legs uh deal hold them and then um I think Generico used to do kind of um, a power bomb in that that style, um, mm. but uh, Tanaka just did a. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it package power driver. And it was for the sake most of brutal package power driver. I've... Oh yeah. It like <laughs> afterwards, like um, he's just doing the motion. He's just like laughing to himself and like pointing it. I think it was Curtis, not not Josh. Yeah, right? yeah. He was just pointing it at him and then doing like um, pointing at his neck. And then, like, doing the, yes, I've just broken that kid's <laughs> neck. And we were kind of, like, looking at each other. Like, yeah, he was just Damn, you gloating about, gloating about breaking his neck. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent was, stuff. It... And Curtis Chapman can definitely sell that stuff. Like, he, he, just, he just throws his body everywhere. And, like, I definitely think he's got potential. Uh, this wasn't any sort of, like, great match or anything. But it was, no, it no. was fun to see. But it, it was, it was, see it was good to see all four guys, sort of, as they develop. And certainly the Tempura boys, because I haven't seen a lot of them. Since they left New Japan, no, no. Um, then we had uh, was it CCK tag next? It wasn't. Yeah, CCK versus Lij um, and another Lij tag match in Wolfenstow that ends in a DQ. Yeah, they they don't like um, putting any effort in in that building, do they? Uh, this is of course <laughs> the um, the the tag. It was non-title, but it was the the tag match uh, Rev Pro edition of. Uh, CCK, the Commonwealth Catch Kings, uh, Travis Banks and uh, Chris Brooks uh, going up against uh, Bushi and um, Hiromu Takahashi, uh, with managed by Daryl, of course, who got the biggest, got pop, the of biggest the pop of the night. Yeah. <laughs> um, <I laughs> never have I heard such a chant um, as the the chant Daryl got. Um, but uh, yeah, this was like it was the first half of a good match. Um, but then Chris Roberts did his job somewhat reluctantly. Um, he he saw yeah, it uh, took like two <laughs> two or three cheats for him to disqualify Elijah. But yeah, yeah, there was a, a blatant low blow straight in front of Chris Roberts, to which he kind of he, his his face went, "Oh, that that shouldn't be allowed, should it?" And and then Bushi <laughs> did the the mist, and he, that was just about enough for Chris to go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna DQ them now, uh, which got like what another one of the biggest pops of the night, and um, Chris Roberts finally doing his job after being berated for the whole match for not doing his job. Um, but yeah, it was it was a disappointment of of a match because on paper Travis Banks and Chris Brooks versus Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi like that if that doesn't wow you, um, <laughs> what does? Um, but it it was kind of just the first half of a match and just as it felt like it was about to like kick it up into the next gear it was it was done in DQ um but then we did yeah, get thinking, um, uh... an angle oh yeah of course uh could like us running in to save his CCK mates and uniting them all in Rev Pro now just like in everywhere else um I just, CCK are taking over like these are the guys like the hot ticket to book right now uh cuz everyone is so into them uh and yeah, like it's good to see Lycos here. I, f- I wanted him to kind of be in the tournament, but like obviously the way they booked the tournament, it was more like New Japan versus Britain Dream matches. Whereas I think I was going into it expecting more of a 
a Super J Cup, like you said, with like old Super J guys like Takamichinoku in there, and like um like a young masked guy trying to make a name for himself, like Lycos. I was thinking like that, but obviously that's just fantasy booking, and uh, don't need to pay attention to it. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him on this show, and good to see him going forward. He, he will slot in very nicely into that little cruiserweight division they've got going on in the cockpit shows. Yeah, um, and I, I'd quite like... Um, there was some talk um, like at the show of... Um, them kind of going free bird on the the tag titles and having it ending up being uh, Brooks and Lycos being the the tag guys, but I kind of kind of hope they keep it the way it is just to kind of differentiate it from everywhere else because everyone at the moment is booking um, uh, Banks as a, a singles guy now, um, apart from maybe kind of attack attack he's doing some some tag stuff there. Um, and uh, where was I going with that? Oh, and and WCPW of course. Um, but I'd quite like to to see the Rooks and Banks stay as the team, and then have uh, Lycos as the singles guy because you don't get to see a lot of singles Lycos. Uh, and I I'd, yeah, I'd like yeah. to like It'd be to good see some to see. of it. And as you say, it'd be Definitely a great be good addition to see how to good the... he is singles. And as you say, it'd be a great addition to the the cruiserweight division. Um, be a cool challenge for for Bodum down the line uh, after he's put away like um like Liger, um presumably, um and uh, yeah. What one of the problem that you occasionally get with with Bodum matches is that his opponent isn't always the most like. A lot of the the British guys don't end up the most over on Rev Pro shows, but CCK like bring with them the overness, um, so that would yeah. that would aid the the Bowden match because yeah, I think Lycos is like an ultimate babyface when he wants to be, so like he'll definitely he I could see him matching up against Bowden very well. Yeah, um, like not that there's been too much of an indication that that match is going to happen yet, but uh, if it does, uh, I'm going to be very excited yeah. for it. I think that could be a uh, a great position for for both guys. I, I can see them, the two of them meshing really well. Um, and then we went to Matt Riddle versus Tomohiro Ishii. The first two minutes of this match were absolutely incredible. I mean, they just went out and slapped the shit out of each other, basically. Like, the, the perfect intensity between the two of them. Um... And there were a couple of communication issues later on in the match, um, which maybe brought it down just a little bit. But like, they started off on just the absolute perfect foot, and I thought I thought they got it back towards the end, like they were in sync perfectly at the end as well. Um, and they just knew exactly what they wanted out of each other, and that was to just destroy each other. <laughs> and like, they they both bring such unique intensity. It's it's their best attributes, the way they can get the crowd behind them like no other. Like this match was got the most noise by far on this show. Um and it's a testament to just how good these two guys are at getting people invested in a match that feels like a proper fight. Yeah. Um as you said, the middle of this match, like, it wasn't the best. It was fine, but after the start, um, it was definitely a bit of a downswing. But the first two minutes, I really thought they were doing like um, major Kabashi and uh, Sasaki vibes. 
um, in and not even in like a a forced imitation type way. It was it just felt natural and it it was brilliant. Like like the the rest of the match like almost suffered in comparison to how good the beginning was. And it, it still ended up being a, yeah. a great, great match. But um, like those first two matches, I was like, "Fucking hell, this is on trap for like five stars or something." Um, yeah, uh, great, great stuff. Um, match of the night, fairly comfortably Definitely. for me. Uh, I went four stars. And... and the Matt Riddle sliding into Tiger Hattori's DMs after this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, this this was um the point where I was like. Yeah, this show's been great. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Up to this point, like, I was if, like, if, if this, the match hadn't delivered, I'd have kind of been like, eh, it was okay. But yeah, this this solidified the, the it good, a good show. The good tournament story arc and the the special bonus, brilliant match. Uh, yeah, like you you got your match quality and you got your your good stories. That's what you want. And then throw in your Lycos moment, and uh, everyone's yeah. happy. <laughs> everyone's happy. Well, they should be at least. It's a good good blender stuff. Yeah, well done, Andy Q. Um, and then we we went to the final, uh, which was the the aforementioned four way between elimination match between um, uh, Skrull, Osprey, Kushida, and uh, Liger, of course, who ended up winning. So it's stupid that he was the one I forgot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the kind of the story of this match um, was initially the the three. Um, of Osprey, Skrull, and Kushida battling it out with Liger on the outside. Initially, after taking a um, uh, an umbrella shot uh, while Roberts was inevitably down, um, and then um, <laughs> what the and then uh, Liger kind of rolled out to the outside, and then every time it looked like he was going to get back into the ring, Skrull would um, go back onto the apron and like hit him with another move, keep him down on the outside. And it was all it was all very light hearted to start with, but then it ended up being clear that this was the story of the match. And it, it really did get the crowd behind Liger in a great way, which um it would have been very easy to end up with the crowd in support of Skrull. And I think they worked the match really well that it was almost unanimously in favour of Liger by the end. Oh yeah. Like I, I don't, I haven't seen this kind of match structure too often, where like the guy who's the most over and getting everyone getting behind him is the person doing absolutely nothing on the outside or just uh selling and tr- like the struggle for him to get back into the ring and get back into the action was really compelling. And like Osprey and Skrull were doing all this crazy stuff in the ring, and then as soon as they went down, everyone started chanting for Liger. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty pretty awesome to see like that charisma of Liger um just coming through. Like it's always amazing to me that he does have like his whole body covered and his face covered, but he exude exudes so much charisma. Um like even when selling. Like <laughs> there was a funny moment where he was like doing the Naito pose, it seemed, when he was selling on the outside because of like not being able to see his facial expression. Um Yeah, just like the one and only Liger doing what he does best, getting crowds into him. And um I think it was kind of smart given the the people who ended up being in the match and the the result they ended up going with, that they did take kind of a more light-hearted approach, especially following the issue riddle match, because they were never going to be yeah, able to yeah. match the intensity, especially in a four-way um, with the match ultimately coming down to 
um, someone in his it's like in his fifties or sixties. Yeah, fifties. Um, so they they went for a story match. They kept it light-hearted. Um, one of the early earlier parts was um, after Scarlet hit um, uh, Scarlet hit Liger with the umbrella. Um, Osprey saw it, but Kushida didn't. Uh, so then um, Skull threw his umbrella to Osprey, and then when Kushida turned around, Skull's going, "Look." Um, uh, Osprey's just attacked um, this legend, um, Liger, with with an uh, umbrella illegally, to like kind of make Kushida mad at um, Osprey, and then you you had uh, Kushida and um, Skull brutally attacking uh, and uh, <laughs> tearing to bits Osprey for a while, all while like um, Osprey's like pleading his innocence and going, "No, Kushida, it was it wasn't me." And, and that was all like it was overacted and it was goofy, but it was fun and it were it was yeah. It this was a goofy match in general, but like that's what it needed to be for for the moment to work, and it was a really really feel good moment. Um, sort of like turning back the clock, getting his last big win because obviously the Super Juniors this year he got nothing. Uh, he got he got like the two points against Taichi, and that was it. Um, so it was good to see him get something as his career winds down, just to like celebrate him. Um, and obviously with the whole pageantry, Marty Jones referencing how he used to wrestle with Liger in when he was on his excursion here, the British flag in the background, even that <laughs> as Liger was holding up his trophy, just stuff like that. Uh, made the moment really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then, uh, after after the match, um, I I'd actually had to to leave by this point, so I'll hand over to you, uh, for this bit. But uh, Bowden came back out, didn't he? Yeah, uh, Josh Bowden comes back out, uh, has a little scuffle with Marty Jones, uh, who was like the guy handing out the trophy to the winner here as like the special guest. Um, and that Bowden's really doing good stuff with like we've been saying this for like a year now, but he has really grown in this role of just being the utter irredeemable prick of RevPro, um, and it definitely came through here. And then just like all the faces come out and save Marty Jones, and then take take the pick with Liger, even though it looked like Matt Riddle had won the trophy because he was sort of sitting behind it and Liger was just kind of off to the side. It it was a really nice moment for everyone to just get solidly behind Liger throughout this match and then in the post match, um, and that like, I've heard people say like, oh, they should have had one of their own guys go over and make make someone a star with this tournament. That's I don't think that's what it was about really. I think the, they did it so well to make it about Liger that it's impossible not to like it in its execution. Uh, like, uh, they said they they'll do this tournament again. Uh, annually, so having Liger be the first winner makes it more prestigious, um, establishes the tournament as something important, and I don't think it would have been the same if they'd done like an Osprey or a Bowden winning it. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't have had any problem if it hadn't been Liger winning. I think that, as we said, there were there were logical, um, cool moments that could have been had with a range of guys, um, but I, I was fine with Liger winning it. Um, I think. If next year you again have kind of an outsider winning it, then at that point it gets uh, maybe that's not the right way to go. But it has to be considered that Liger is a big part of Rev Pro. Like 
the first time they went to York Hall, um, Ligel was the guy who drew the house for them, uh, going mm-hmm. up against um, Devitt, now Balarov, of course. Um, so he's been a big part. He, he had that main event with uh, AJ Styles at um, the first Global Wars, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's been over several times, so it's not like he, it's just this random outsider coming in who's got no history with the promotion. Um, for a start, he's got a massive history in the UK. Um, you know, like, like Marty, Marty Jones, the world sport legend, uh, was there, so there was that link there too. He's got a history with Rev Pro, and, you know, it was, it was a good story. So yeah, I have, I have no problem at all with the, the eventual winner. Um, and yeah, overall as a tournament, really enjoyed it, both as a, a tournament and a show. Um, and I'm, I think it was a, a wholehearted success, really. Yeah, it was it was a well put together show, like we said earlier. Um, very happy I attended. <laughs> yeah, in terms of the format, um, with the the four first round matches uh, and then the the final, um, they said that they're potentially going to make it a bit bigger next year. Um, whether that means yeah, a two day thing, 16 or... having sixteen people, it it just being a two day tournament, or and maybe having four first round matches on the first night and then. Uh, the semis and the finals on night two or something. Um, how, how would you like to? Do you think the um, the current system um, with? I would like to see semi-finals. Yeah. Um, but obviously, got to consider how long the show would be as well. They they could literally just do the first round semi-final final and then one bonus match because they did have a couple of tags in there. Um, but I, I get they wanted to get over like Hiromu and stuff, and the Tempura boys were there, so why not throw them in? So I, I get that. Um, obviously, we'll see how it shakes out, but yeah, I would like to see a tournament with the semifinals and then finals next year, whether if that is considered making it bigger. I don't know. I think um, the structure of the tournament worked really well with the story they did this year with Liger. Um, doing semifinals and then a finals probably wouldn't have like the, for God's sake, the, the guy's in his late fifties. Like uh, <laughs> two matches is uh, more than enough for him to to wrestle, even if one was kind of short. Um, but I think you'd probably, as you said, want want semi-finals um, or something next year. And if they're going to go bigger, then that's probably what's going to happen. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, and then of course, Andy's also been saying that uh, if the the British J Cup was a success. Um, he was he's thinking of potentially implementing both a, a tag tournament um, and a, a heavyweight tournament uh, later in the year um, or adding into the schedule whether that's early 2018 or whatever um, so yeah I think that they, these would be cool things to kind of add into Repro's calendar so it's not just the, the York Hall shows and like the, the cockpit shows have been an addition now um, a good and a, and a very good addition now that they've they've kind of they're they're coming out more regularly they're feeling more important more stuff's happening on them that they've just been better for a, uh, to throw in there too um yeah uh, i think the the next step of adding three tournaments into the schedule alongside the five uh, york hall shows is a, a step in the right direction for red pro um, i'm i'm a fan Right, so I guess we'll uh, move on to uh, WXW's uh, Shortcut to the Top um, show, 
that they held uh-huh. beginning of July, so like a week and a half ago now, I think. Maybe maybe two weeks. Um, no, a week and a half. Um, this was like the, the end of their season of shows. They, they do kind of two seasons per year. Uh, and they go on like a, a mini break, and they're kind of in their their off season at the moment. Uh, so they they end it with the the shortcut to the top show, which um, is named after the the shortcut to the top match, which is basically a Royal Rumble. Well, it is a Royal Rumble. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, but uh, we also had a a couple of other fairly big matches on this show, and this was of course. Uh, on the the same day as Progress's uh, show in Germany, so um, we got uh, quite a few Progress faces showing up uh, while they were in town. Uh, you've you've seen all this show, right? I have indeed, yeah. And I finished it yesterday, so for a for a change, I um I've actually seen a whole show to be able to talk about it that I wasn't <laughs> at live. No cherry picking this time. Not not even uh, since uh, I'll have a probably a review out on the site. Tomorrow, I just need to to finish that up. Um, overall, I thought this was a a pretty good show. Uh, things kicked off uh, with a, a freeway between uh, Satoshi, uh, Angelico, and David Starr for the shotgun title. I thought this was a good match. Uh, they kept the pace pretty high, uh, which is what you want for an opener. Uh, they all mesh fairly well. Uh, if there was one criticism, I thought perhaps the ending came a bit abruptly, and it was just as it felt like it was about to like, kind of hit another gear that uh, David Starr kind of just hit the the product placement um, German suplex uh, finisher deal he has going uh, to re- to regain his title from uh, Angelico. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it, it didn't stuff. feel it didn't feel too earned that product placement. You know what I mean? Like it didn't like for the moment that it was of David Starr getting back the title. After his little odyssey of losing it, uh, and then it going to Satoshi and Angelico, this was sort of the culmination of him getting it back um, from his previous two challenges. Uh, it it wasn't quite like the as climactic a product placement as you would have maybe liked because that move is is a really good one for like um, having a really long setup and like a really drawn out uh, way of hitting it, and he did just kind of hit it and win uh, with Satoshi on the outside, just incidentally. Um, so yeah, maybe the ending wasn't amazing, but uh, I thought I thought it was a very well put together match. The three guys do know each other well and have and worked together really well, and yeah, just a good way to start the show. I think that's what the shotgun title's kind of made for is these kind of crazy fast matches um, between sort of upper mid level guys. Uh, yep. So, um, what was next? Was it the riddle? Um, Marisol yeah, Lani match. Next I love this. I thought <laughs> this was tremendous. Like, um, it it wasn't worked at all. Uh, in the way of uh your usual um like high profile indie matches, it was it they kept things really simple, um, hard hitting and brutal, and it 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 was it was they called it a cool little story of kind of like. Alani almost been able to hang with Riddle and getting over because he was he was just coming up a little short, but almost be able to go absolutely toe to toe with this monster of a man yeah. that Riddle is. Um, they they did sort of the MMA influence stuff with like um going on Alani's um combat background. I, I think he was was he judo or judo. I, I, I can't think, remember yeah. now. Or, or maybe a little but bit like, of the Brazilian JJ, but um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he was like rolling around with Riddle doing doing the UFC stuff, and I I liked that. There was there were a couple of moments where Ali did almost catch Riddle, and they were like, oh, if this was um, an MMA fight, he could have got him, but the rope break saved Riddle. Um, which, which I enjoyed, like, it, it gets over Alani as legit. Um, and this did feel like a proper fight, like, both when it was kind of more wrestling-based and as well as the, the MMA-influenced stuff. Um, I, it felt like a struggle. Yeah, all, all the suplexes and all the throws and, you know, yeah, strikes, yeah. they're all so crisp, so great-looking. Alani's dive to the outside over the ring posts, where, like, <laughs> you're kind of used to seeing, well, almost used to seeing, like, the ricochet, like, flip over the, the ring post now, um, but Alani just kind of jumps up and then doesn't turn his body at all. He just jumps so high he could just go over the ring post without Yeah, it almost it. felt a bit more physical that way as well, like sort of a bigger guy doing it in maybe a less fancy way. Just Yeah. It's, it's like, not about like the flash, it's just about the substance. It's kind of like um, uh, Biff Busick, Oni Lorcan. The way he does his dives, they're like, there's no mm. grace to them, it's just pure force and like he's literally just throwing his body and yeah it, it looks great like uh, great fancy like flippy dives are, are great too like i'm not like putting them down at all but it, it's cool to see like um a guy who who maybe doesn't have quite the grace but just dives with pure aggression like uh, alani does hmm. um yeah th- this was a really good match for alani because like he's yet to have that really awesome singles match and i think this was like a really good thing to put on his resume because he's probably going to be in that upper echelon of wxw sooner rather than later so for them to know that he can have really awesome matches like this um that is definitely a, a plus in his in his mark book i think if this was like um either a, a 16 carat or even a, a World Tag League like singles match, this would be like a real breakout for Alani on like the in terms of like the uh, our circle and like indie cred. Yeah. Um now uh shortcut to the top it doesn't get watched by anywhere near as many people in our circles at least, uh that that uh, the sixteen carats does and to a lesser extent World Tag Team League does. Um but I, I implore you to watch this match if you've. Um, I, it'll probably. I think Shortcut to the Top will eventually end up on the High Spots Network. Um, it may end up on Flow Slam if you have a Flow Slam subscription. Of course, WXW now it's on. Um, it might even eventually end up on on Progress because uh, Demand Progress because some of their their shows uh, do end up there. Uh, due to their affiliation. So yeah, um, if you get a chance, definitely, definitely watch this match. I thought this was uh, tremendous. And, you know, uh, if more people would see it, this could be a real breakout match for Alani. Cause I, at first, I was a little disappointed because um, I'd forgotten that Dragunov... Because, um, of course, the, the original match, I'm not sure we've mentioned it yet. Uh, it was originally scheduled to be Riddle versus Dragunov, which was a match I was going to be super into. Um, Dragonov had a family issue, um, which was of course unfortunate. Uh, so the match fell through. So, but uh, I thought Alani did a terrific job uh, replacing him. Then we had uh, what was it? The the No DQ handicap match, right? Oh yeah, uh, Walter CMJ versus Kim Murray. Uh, kind of the story being built around Walter. One thing, CMJ out of the match as much as possible. Like, he sort of 
begrudgingly let him hang on the apron, but on the on the instruction that he leaves the physical confrontation, as the subtitles put it, to Walter, which <laughs> I enjoyed that phrase. And uh, all like the backstage stuff was like amusing with Walter um, putting his hand, like rubbing his hands on his face in despair of uh, his boss being a weirdo who re- like can't accept his own limitations. And I thought um, CMJ in this match was. <laughs> impeccable with the acting um like he's well uh, <laughs> I, not a fan it came I, I just very thought corny he, he, to me but like, it was corny but i think like he just owned the role really well if you're gonna have a heel authority figure like make it this guy <laughs> like <laughs> because it, he 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 wasn't afraid to make a fool of himself i thought i think that is definitely what you need in that role it was corny, but at the same time, that's what they were going for. So I, I can't like fault the, the their acting skills too much. It was just it's not something I'm particularly interested in seeing. But this did feel like kind of a, a blow off to the whole ring camp story. It was yeah, yeah. Walter kind of finally getting sick of CMJ's shit and just you know fuck it, I'm leaving you. If you think <laughs> you can hang with everyone, you need to keep getting physically involved. Go go ahead, you've got yourself into this. Uh, Kim Ray kind of put a beating on it. Him, it wasn't particularly compelling because Kim Ray isn't particularly good. Um, but he, he took a bit of a beating, and uh, I'd kind of expect CMJ to kind of fade into the the background uh, again now. Yeah, this, like you say, this was kind of the end of the Ring Camp story, which was built around him and his his uh, hired assassins, uh, Thatcher, Dita Junior, and Arthur. And obviously, Thatcher's not around all the time. Dita Junior's gone off. So Walter's kind of just on his been on his own for a little bit now, um, and this was just him telling CMJ to go fuck himself basically, and now he really is just on his own. Uh, like I don't think they've officially like blown up the team or like the the, the partnership, but uh, yeah, it's certainly heading that way. Yeah, um, and like it, it, this this was kind of a face turn for for Volta. Like I I wouldn't be shocked to see him still like end up confrontational with some of like the the pure faces and like that you've got with like alani and and star and that sort of guy those, those sort of guys and you kind of maybe doing a uh, a tweener type yeah. deal in that he's just like I, i'd say he's still uh heel leaning but he's not he's never gonna cheat like he he cares too much about like the wrestling and keeping it pure and that's why he was sick of cmj here yeah and he's it looks like he's gonna be feuding with um some of the rise guys now so you know he's He'll he'll be feuding with heels predominantly. Yeah. Now. You you get the feel. Even if he's not like buddy buddy with with um the the typical uh good guys that you've you've got in the promotion, which is uh, I'm glad to see. I was kind of getting a bit bored of um the the CMJ interference you were getting in a lot of uh Volta matches. Um, so to you're probably gonna get uh, less interference in his matches now, although maybe more from the Rise guys. So <laughs> that might be wrong. Um, but yeah, um, it's it was the story needed to end now because it was getting a little bit long in the tooth, um, and they you know they they told a cohesive story, so I, I don't have too much problem with it. Uh, as I said, I wasn't hugely into it, and it you know as a match, it wasn't much of anything, but it was more of a story piece than anything, uh, and it was a satisfactory blow off at least. Um, the heel got his comeuppance. Um, as a basic story, that's fine. Um, then we had a title match between uh, the Avalanche, Robert Dreisker, 
uh, going up against Jern Simmons. Now, I know in the build-up, you thought that Avalanche was going to end up winning here. Uh, that didn't t- come to pass, but uh, how do you, how do you, what do you think of the match? Oh yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought it built very nicely, um, and it felt like a proper like big man battle, like big lad stuff. And I think WXW are very good at doing that and like putting the super heavyweights together and having these battles. And um, I was especially impressed with Jan Simmons. I thought this was probably his best individual performance yet. Uh, just because I feel like his moves just have that extra snap to them now. Like he's, he 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 is learning before our very eyes, and he is learning in a high-profile spot for WXW. Like obviously he's been in the main event more often than not in his career so far. Um, but like I feel like he is developing fast as a good wrestler now, um, and not just as like the big showman who does the crazy entrance. Like he is, he can back it up in the ring now as well, and some of his stuff like the moonsault. Um, like just look really awesome, and Dreisker as well. I thought was really good here too. Um, he proved that he kind of belongs in this upper echelon in WXW. Um, and like he does come across like a monster. Um, and yeah, I wasn't too in love with him losing here. I think it was probably better to keep him ultra strong, but. And maybe give him the title, but like they're they're all in on Jan Simmons, so it makes sense. Um, I enjoyed this match, but I wasn't completely wowed by it. I thought both these guys, they both benefit from being opposites and were more dynamic. Um, they kind of did the big, big guy stuff. They they traded some power moves, and then it was kind of where do we go from here? Well, I guess the finish. Like, there there wasn't... I guess there wasn't anything more, is what I, I guess I'm getting at. It was it was good, but then they couldn't quite... They, they didn't seem to have a higher gear to go to. Um, and, like, I, I enjoyed the match, but I, I, I was perhaps hoping for something a little bit more. Um, I don't think, like, this was either guy's, like, breakout performance or anything. Um, but it, no, it, was, it no. was a good match. I, I I certainly don't think it's like the highlight of anyone's career or whatever, but I think uh Yearn had like an extra step to him on this in this match that I haven't seen from him before. Um maybe only in the, the title match with Dita Jr. where he won the title back. Um but yeah, I'm I'm happy that Jan Simmons is getting there as a strong competitor in the ring. If this had been like a main event, I'd have said it was like Disappointed, a little bit disappointing. Not quite like a, a yeah. Huge main but with with the with the rumble still afterwards, it was okay. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Um, the one thing you do think is kind of where do they go with Avalanche from here? Because as we'll get to in a minute, there seems to be a new top heel. Is Avalanche kind of just going to slot underneath? Is he going to go back to feuding with Dragonov? Is he going to keep losing to Dragonov apart from in matches where there's like another guy there for him to pin? Um, it's like where where does he fit in? Because he, the style he wrestles and like his appearance, he would really benefit from being booked as an unstoppable monster. And it's hard to do that when you're the number two heel, if that makes mm. sense. Um, but you know, I'm, I, WXW is usually booked very well, so I'll um I'll, I'll wait and happily wait and see, um, because they they may have a a really good answer or something, um. Then we got to the shortcuts of the top match itself, uh, 30-man match. 
uh, we won't like go through and break it down, but um, the big story here was uh, Bad Bones and uh, David Starr started off the match in number one and two. Um, Bad Bones, uh, maybe like seven or eight people in, um, went down with a kayfabe injury uh, to his knee, rolled underneath the top bottom rope even, um, so wasn't eliminated, uh, got stretched out, came back right at the end when it ended up being um, two of the Rise guys, uh, Pete Bouncer and Ivan Kiev, right? Indeed, yeah. Um, and David Starr is like the final three. He comes back in, so it looks like it's going to be levelled up at, at uh, two apiece, uh, to the shock of absolutely nobody. Someone who gets stretched <laughs> out comes back in right at the end of the Rumble. Why doesn't everyone do that? Um, and then and then um, Bad Bones... As as kind of Star takes a bit of a step forward, Bad Bones grabs him by the back of the neck and throws him over the ropes. Um, then drops down to his knees. The the two other Rise guys um, climb up in the corners and then jump out the ring uh, to the floor. Bad Bones takes his shirt off to reveal a, a Rise shirt underneath, and he's the uh, leader of Rise, um, and presumably the the top heel in the promotion going forward. Um, overall thoughts then, I guess. Um, the the big thing that leaps out to me here with just the match overall is where were the other Rise guys? Um, the the Tarkin Aslan and Lucky Kid and Chris Colan. But I guess they would just had another booking, GWF maybe <laughs> on that day. But like, if you're going to be pushing these guys as the top heel faction, you'd expect them to kind of be at your big shows. Um, and it did feel a bit like weak source, but uh, it was just two of them. Like I, Ivan Kiev sort of is kind of legit. He beat Volta um, on the the televised Hamburg show, so it, it he feels important. But Pete Bouncer's kind of like the jobber of <laughs> Rise, so it was a it was a little bit awkward just to see the two of them there and not even like even just Chris Colan in there as well um, to just make them a bit more fearsome. It, so it kind of it kind of made the ending a bit weird with the two of them sort of dominating the match on their own. Uh, but yeah, with Bad Bones joining Rise, I think that is what they needed. They needed an established, like tippy top guy, to lead them and sort of give them an edge. Because while while they've done okay stuff with them so far, and they have gotten the 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 tag champs and Ivan Kiev over to an extent, like they do need that like. The guy who can cut the promos, be the face, and be the guy that people recognize as like a big deal in WXW, and that's Bad Bones, and it, it certainly breathes a new life into Bad Bones because people were booing him already, like so they've sort of leaned into a heel turn with him, and it just it just makes him so much more interesting than just the local veteran, um, like he's now got like this full on character, he's the betrayer. And it'll be interesting to see where they go with this now. Um, like it's certainly a positive step forward in the Rise story, which I think they've been doing well. Uh, the execution could have been better if they'd had all the Rise guys there and made them seem like a proper like pack. Um, but yeah, like I I think it was a good visual to end on, a, a bit hokey. But what what are you gonna do? It's wrestling. Yeah. Um, I pretty much agree with all of that. Uh, I think it's really gonna help Bad Bones, especially as well as the group itself. The group needed a leader and a, a strong singles wrestler you can have in main events, and I don't think they really had that with any of the other four guys. Um, Chris Colum maybe, but I don't think he's quite at that level. Um, 
Whereas Bones, uh, he's like to just for me, he's got the best Cody match um, in existence. Um, he has <laughs> yeah, really I, good I matches. I would agree with that. <laughs> um, but he he did just feel stale in kind of the 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 singles face role, you know, kind of slotted in as the number three face for quite a long time. Respected as like a good wrestler, but never like it didn't really feel like he had much direction for quite a long time. Whereas now he's he's leading up a group. He feels it does he doesn't feel at all out of place leading a group, and you'd quite quite comfortably put him in a main event now. He's because he's really good and he, he's got a bit more about him. And, and yeah, as you said, he um he already was getting some almost kind of Cena-esque boos and that like ah oh, yeah. you've been a, on top of the card as a face I... for so long. We're bored of you, boos, as opposed to you're not very good, boos. Um. I think they've always emphasized his character as like the company guy. Like he'll always like get people in line when they're a bit like the he feud with Cerberus and stuff. So he's it is like a big deal in the universe for him to be turning on WXW all of a sudden. Um like the ultra consummate professional going bad. So I, I think from that perspective it does work. Yeah, I'm into it. As for the the rumble as a as a spectacle in itself, I didn't think it was a particularly great one like it was a bit jobbery yeah, <laughs> for my liking. like a lot of the bigger names were progress guys but they kind of all they all of them came in did a few spots uh in like house of fire type deal and then like just got thrown out fairly unceremoniously and it was like oh well well they're gone and then it was like ah well now we can bring in a guy who we occasionally use on our tour shows, and he can be in for a while. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and he can kind of. <laughs> I, I did enjoy um, the Dragon and uh, Brico Bushido spot, and also Bobby Guns eliminating quite a few people <laughs> in his like little run, and also furthering his uh, feud with Melanie and Alpha Kevin, um, where like he's just being an absolute dick, and like, he's another guy who's a really good at just being a complete jerk. Um, and has no qualms about it. Uh, but yeah, overall, not many memorable spots. Like you say, kind of in and out guys, just not making much of an impact. Like, And then the guys who were in for a while weren't doing that much either. So yeah, kind of just mediocre rumble, I would say. Um, the, the one spot that will stick with me was the uh, Posse and Full Effects guys' interaction oh, with God. Jack Sexsmith, where like goodness me, the uh, confetti cannon used as a, a penis, um, blown into Jack's <laughs> face while he's on the top rope to send him flying over. Like, I'm usually really grumpy, but that one did get a smile out of me. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to like it, and like Posse and Full Effect looked like an absolute. Like a tag team that I would usually absolutely hate. I can't confess to having watched. Yeah, they look horrific. But, but that, uh, that that single spot really did get a chuckle out of me. Like um, I I enjoyed that the confetti was on the floor for the entire rest of the rumble. And I I like they just could not get rid of I it. I didn't even realize it was a confetti cannon before it went off. So I thought it was, it was just holding this thing and for whatever reason wanking it off or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then when it goes off and sends Sexsmith over, it makes me jump out my seat and go like, wow. That was something. That was that was real something. And um, but yeah, you, as you said, you didn't really have too many memorable uh, spots apart from the the finish itself with um, uh, the bad bones thing. You didn't like have any like cool Kofi 
Kofi-esque rumble spots or anything like that. Or even the majority of it was kind of people just wandering around the ring, punching each other, as opposed to you getting too much like, interesting going on. Um, and then, of course, you had the commentary, which I thought was pretty abysmal, to be honest. Um, and they they kind of spoiled the Bad Bones thing by overly hinting against it. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When there was like five or six guys left, they were going, well, there's six guys here. Of course, Bad Bones hasn't been eliminated, but he was stretched off. There's no chance he comes back in the match. It's like, oh, well, like, yes, it's wrestling. Yes, like, it, it's just stupid. Like, the only way that, like, story works is if you get the audience to completely forget that Bad Bones was, is even still in the match. Then when he comes back, you go, oh, yeah, he was never eliminated. And then it is kind of a, a little bit of a cool thing. Yeah, you, you can't lean on it. You can't. <laughs> you can't remind everyone can't and then expect it to still beforehand. be a surprise. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, as a, as a rumble, I didn't enjoy it too much, but as a means to an end in like pushing bad bones, pushing the rise faction, I think it did a good job there. So I'm, I can't complain too much. Mm -hmm. uh, so overall, I thought this was a, 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 an okay show, leaning towards good. Um, as I said, that Riddle um, Alani match was was great, great stuff, and the one like must watch thing you need to to go for. And then um, it, it did a pretty good job of uh, progressing storylines too. So yeah, slight thumbs up, I'd I'd say. Right, so um, I think we're about uh, a little over an hour in now. So um, now that we're we're past the the halfway part, uh, halfway mark in the year, um, we've got the the British coming up at the the end of the year. We'll we'll do some uh, a talk towards who we think the awards are, are leaning towards six months in. Mm -hmm. We won't cover all the awards that we end up doing in the the eventual Britty episodes, but we'll, we'll we'll focus on probably five of the bigger ones, uh, being match of the year, promotion of the year, show of the year, um, best of Europe award, and the, the European wrestler of the year. Um, with the the best of Europe award being the the way we we split the European wrestler and and uh, into kind of two, we do the best wrestler who is European, uh, so we're including all the stuff that they've done outside of Europe, and then the best of Europe award being the wrestler who has had the best time in Europe, so including in yeah yeah um so uh, I'll let you pick what we we want to start with out of those five. I think just the best in Europe. Uh, both categories. I think we should go, go personality first. Right, right. So uh, if we if we go with um, the European wrestler of the year first, then um, so which which wrestler for you uh, uh, has done it? Because for me, it's kind of tight. There's no like ultra clear um, front runner. Uh, I think the three I'd be leaning towards the most would be Osprey, who's who's kind of had a very well-rounded year. He's had good stuff in the UK. Um, he's had good stuff in Ireland for, for OTT. Uh, he's had some very good stuff for Ring of Honor, um, thinking especially about that, that Jay White match uh, he had uh, over WrestleMania weekend, and then earlier in the year on pay-per-view, he had a, a really good four-way, again with Jay White and... Uh, I can't remember the other two people in that match. Dragon Lee? I think so. 
Like maybe Dragon Lee and Skirl for the TV title. I want to say that. Or maybe yeah. <laughs> Kushida was involved as well. Some of those guys. I remember the match being really good. And I remember uh, the Osprey and um, the the Osprey Jay White match, uh, Jay White interactions being the highlight of it. Actually, I think Volador mm-hmm. Jr. might have been involved as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it was a while ago. And <laughs> Terribly my notes, researched. <laughs> my notes are clearly not good enough. I've got to. I've yeah, got to I I, I think Osprey is definitely a front runner once again. I believe he won it last year. I, <laughs> I want to say. Think so we'll we'll look that up for the actual event, and then of course I haven't even mentioned the Super Junior Finals yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's having a really good year as per. Um, looking more at home, obviously Walter. Yeah. Has to be in consideration. He's he's been banging out great matches in progress and WXW both tag and singles, and now he's going to get a chance in Bowler. Uh, so he's definitely in with a shout. Zack Sabre Jr.'s got the G1 coming up, though, and he's going to have a lot of chances to have good matches, especially if he doesn't have any interference in them. So <laughs> it's still kind of wide open for the, the, the worldwide Europe guy. Yeah. Um, um, Zack's, for me, he's a little bit off the pace at the moment, but yeah, as you said, he's got more than enough opportunities in the G1 coming up, and not just the G1, he's, he's one of the guys who gets the most opportunities probably in the world to have great matches he's consistently put in feature spots in AAW PWG um, Evolve uh, Rev Pro Progress when he's there now New Japan Like he, he, he gets a lot of opportunities to have good matches mm-hmm. and while I don't feel he always delivers, he delivers enough of the time that like you end up with a lot of very good Zack Sabre Jr. matches at the end of the year Um I think Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne are also in consideration. Oh yeah, of course. Um, of course, yeah. they've... Pete Dunne's been doing great stuff in WWE right now. And while I haven't been entirely enamoured with some of their their UK work, there there is good stuff there. Um, I I personally have Tyler Bate a little bit ahead of Pete Dunne because um, of that UK Championship special match. Um, against Mark Andrews, I thought that was absolutely terrific. That's my. You know, my second favourite um, match that's taken place in the UK this year um, and aside from that most of the, the high end Pete Dunne and, and Tyler Bates stuff they've been in the same matches be it they're against each other or um, they've been in tags or six mans where they're, they're teaming up uh, so there's not a huge amount to split them there but uh, I think that uh, match with Mark Andrews just edges um, Tyler Bates ahead for me um, what about uh, domestic Europe? Yeah, in terms of the the best best of Europe award, I think Walters the not not huge leader, but the semi clear leader for me. Mm. Um, with the number two uh, and three guys for me being Matt Riddle and Mark Andrews. Ah, Matt, Matt Riddle's a clever choice. <laughs> yeah, um, like I I haven't always been the biggest Matt Riddle guy, but. Like some of the stuff he's had in Europe this year, especially, has absolutely blown me away. Like, let me just um, reel off some of the matches because he's done it in such like a variety of promotions. It's easy to overlook some of them. Um, and I'm so these are the the four star matches I I've got him down for having in Europe. Um, and I'm, there's a range of other matches that people have gone four star on that I've seen and haven't been huge on. But um, I'll, I'll just go off the the ones that are, that I've really enjoyed. Um, so we've got the the match from High Stakes in in Rev Pro against Shibata. 
um, that was absolutely tremendous and it happened so early in the year it's it's easy to forget it happened but yeah that was great uh, then we've got the O'Reilly match that he had in OTT at uh, Marvel Zone Act One. I thought that was that was again tremendous stuff. Um, recently, um, that we've talked about just on this episode, he's had the Alani match uh, in WXW at Shortcut to the Top, um, and the Tom Hero Ishii match that he had at, at the J Cup. Both of them really really good matches. Um, he had the Jeff Cobb match at the Super Strong Style, another great match. I wasn't perhaps as high on it as a lot of people were who were there live, but still a great, great match. Um, yeah, that's that's a pretty good high-end resume mm-hmm. um, to build. And he's made Europe his home, so I think it's more than fair to, to adopt him for this award. Um, Volta, he's, of course, got a very strong resume uh, in terms of, UK, uh, terms of European stuff, because he has wrestled entirely in Europe this year so far. Won't won't by the end, but uh, so far has, uh, to kind of read off some of his resume. Um, he's got the uh, Ring Kampf tag with the Hunter Brothers uh, from Progress Chapter 45. Uh, the Ring Kampf tag against um, South Pacific Power Trip from Chapter 43. Joel Lanza's favourite match ever. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, what else have I got him down? The uh, 16 carat match against David Starr, which was tremendous. Uh, my favourite match in the 16 carat. Um, the match against Dragunov uh, from the final with the 16 carat, which well, you, you'll you'll hate me saying is uh, first consensus five star <laughs> match in Europe. <laughs> like um, I thought it was really really good. I didn't see it as like the the five star match that a lot of people do, but like I I'm the low man on that, and I love the match, so that says um, a yeah. lot about it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's you know in terms of a high end resume, he's 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 got it there. Um, another guy I want to throw into the mix that perhaps isn't getting the the full hype, um, but I think has had a comfortably his best year ever, and it, it's it's kind of going under the radar because he's not necessarily doing it in main events. But I think Mark Andrews has been right up there. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go for that too. Like you said, the, the bait match, um, the Osprey match from Progress, and yeah, just. Consistently delivering very good matches. I think I think that may be his problem. In fact, it's but like he's so consistently good that like when he does pop in with a great match, like it's kind of not always appreciated. Like he's kind of just like the workhorse almost, and putting other guys over and never being able to be like a Pete Dunne star or an Osprey star, if you know what I mean. Yeah, a lot of the time when he has a great match, the credit goes to the other person, which is somewhat yeah, unfair. Yeah, but he's definitely been there. And in 2016 and before, I was never a big Mark Andrews guy, but I've really turned the corner on him. Like, that, the Osprey match um, he had at Chapter 45 is my favourite um, UK match this year so far. Uh, as I said, he's also got my second favourite um, uh, match with Tyler Bates from the, the UK special that nowhere near enough people have seen. Uh, he had that great Strickland match from Chapter 44. Uh, what else has he done? Might be just the three I've got listed, but those three are right right at the top. Uh, and then um, Bate, again, is he's not a million miles away. Pete Dunne, not a million miles away. Um, although I'd say Pete, again, is a little bit further behind Bate because um, uh, Bate's got some of that strong style uh, stuff as well from the UK and then Osprey again 
he's far weaker in this award, but he's not a million miles away again. Yeah, a strong second half could see him move up, but yeah, he's more focused in New Japan right now, I guess. And then, um, I think a lot of people would say Travis Banks. I haven't been... Like, for me, Travis Banks had a lot of very good matches and not a lot of great matches. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put Banks in the top five right now. Maybe not even in the... Well, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't list off the ten right now, but yeah, he's certainly not tippy-top in, in Europe right now. But yeah, like, he's certainly going to get opportunities to move up. And, like, it, it's not like he's he's had a lack of great matches. He's had the, the South Pacific Power Trip match against Ring Camp and the Flamita uh, match from Super Strong Style that, that I personally um, have gone over four stars on. And I know a lot of people have, have gone um, four stars on the Riddle match from Lucha Forever, the Strickland match from um, uh, Lucha Forever as well. There's some... Um, there's there's some Fight Club Pro matches that I know people who were a lot higher than me on for him. There's some Fight Club Pro matches I haven't got around to seeing. Um, I, I still need to see the Osprey match from uh, the Dream Tag Team Invitational. I still need to see the Haskins match from Dream Tag Team Invitational as well. Uh, so I could, you know, on paper they both look like great matches potentially. Um, have you seen them? Um, I've seen the Osprey match from Dream Tag Team Invitational, not the two and three yet. Right, right. Um, so he's not a million miles off, uh, and I, I get the feeling for Arn, he'd have him right up there. Um, but we're both a little, a little lower on him, but he's, he's still had a very, very good Because we're grumpy bastards. <laughs> me especially, me especially. Um, yeah, so they're kind of the, the guys that are most in contention at the moment. But there's a lot of guys like just a half a step behind them that if they finish the year strongly could could easily get up there. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, Volta, Volta and Riddle, and yeah, I'd say Volta, Riddle, and Andrews are the, the front runners for the best of Europe, and then Osprey uh, for the European wrestler of the year. Um, now going on to, I guess we could do bat match of the year now because we've reeled off uh, a lot of matches. Um, Walter Dragunov. That's that's your one. That's your one. Um, <laughs> I, I I could not say anything else really. I think that's undisputed right now. Like it's five stars from me, um, and nothing else is. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's completely fair. That's completely fair. Um, I guess I'll use this this opportunity to to reel off everything I've gone four star and above on uh, from the UK this year. It's not too long a list, and it kind of. If you want, you guys can use it as a recommendation um, because I'm I'm pretty picky on going four star and above on stuff. So if uh, if I have, uh, I I consider it must must watch pretty much. So um, if you can check check any of this stuff out. So in my number one spot um, from the the Europe this year, I've got uh, as aforementioned Mark Andrews versus Will Ospreay from Progress Chapter Forty Five. I've got that four and a half stars. Uh, then number two, also at four and a half, uh, from the UK Championship Special, Tyler Bate, Mark Andrews. Number three, Progress Chapter 45, uh, got the Hunters versus uh, Ring Camp, which I actually thought was better than the South Pacific Power Trip match, which got more hype. Um, number uh, numbers number four, uh, Riddle versus Shibata from High Stakes, um, four and a quarter. Um, then the Ring Camp South Pacific Truck Power Trip match, um, also at four and a quarter. Uh, then you've got Mark Andrews, Shane Strickland, which is a match that um, 
it's kind of been forgotten by a lot of people, I think, but that was a, a very, very good match. Maybe overshadowed somewhat by the Osprey match that followed it, the, the following chapter, but I thought that was tremendous, tremendous stuff. Um, also at four and a quarter, and then last one at four and a quarter, uh, O'Reilly Riddle from OTT, um, Marvel Zone. Now that they've got their uh, own on-demand service that's reasonably priced, uh, if you do happen to be doing like a, an OCT deep dive, cherry pick, make sure you don't miss that one out. Then at four stars, I've got um, Sabre Junior Skirl, the match that went too long but was too good not to go four stars on from <laughs> High Stakes at the beginning of the year. Um, Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate from the UK Championship Tournament at the beginning of the year as well. Um, I had a little bit of issues with Tyler Bates, like the the match being built around uh, Tyler Bates' arm, um, and then like the the end of the match, one of the big spots is he's in a Kaimura, uh, and he just powers out of the Kaimura and hits like a a deadlift uh, suplex um, without any leverage. When his whole the whole story of the match is his arm being worked over, maybe that's been me me being overly picky. That's why I didn't go any higher on that match, but it was. The rest of it was too good for me to go any lower than four stars. Uh, most people have seen that, um, and I know a lot of people are even higher than it. Uh, well, most people are probably higher than it than four stars. Uh, then we've got Matt Riddle, Jeff Cobb from Super Strong Style um, at four stars as well. I think that's probably my second favorite so far. Yeah, that was it. Was really good. Perhaps I was overhyped on it beforehand because I went in expecting oh, yeah, something amazing, that, yeah. and it was that very. Can be a it was a great match, but like. I was I was told it was five stars and I ended up at four, um, but you know that's that's still definitely definitely worth a watch. Um, then Volta David Starr from the Sixteen Carat, uh, another great tournament match. Um, Riddle Ishi that we've just talked about from the British J Cup, another great match um, from from Riddle. Then Volta Dragonov from also from the Sixteen Carat, the Ollie's match of the year. Um, yeah. <laughs> then I was about to say O'Reilly Bailey because of the way I filtered my spreadsheet, but no, that took place in Canada for what culture? But Galloway Ricochet um, from the WCPW World Cup um, tournament, the English leg of that. That's um, it's a match that's available for free on YouTube. That's a great, great match. Uh, highly recommend uh, checking out Galloway just throw Ricochet all over the ring. Um, Flamita. Travis Banks from Super Strong Style. I, that match didn't get any hype. I thought it was really, really good. We were having a conversation about that before the um, we started recording, and uh, you you agreed that Flamita was excellent in that match, right? Yeah, yeah. I I do think that was an underrated match. Um, just because it happened like right after Riddle Cobb, I think it did suffer a little bit as a result. Like that was. That match didn't go for the epic at all. That was what you, what a lot of the matches went for over that weekend. That was just a sprint that I thought nailed it, and I, mm -hmm. I love a sprint. Um, <laughs> you're far more likely to get a high rating from me from like a an action-packed um, nine-minute match than you are from a a bloated twenty-five-minute match that goes for epic and perhaps fails. Um, then the best ever Cody Rhodes match uh, against Bad Bones from the 16 Carat as well. Um, it's the crazy atmosphere for that one. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> the Cody at his very best. <laughs> um, it's 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 weird praising him, but yeah, it feels weird, but it feels good in this, <laughs> in this situation. 
And then the uh, the last two matches I went for on uh, so far this year, both from WXW as well. Um, the the match we were talking about earlier, the Alani versus Riddle match, and then the the tag match, uh, ACH and Mike Bailey versus JT Dunn and Donovan Jijak. Um Really awesome tag match as well, yeah. The flippy tag at the end of uh, Night Three. <laughs> I I love that event. a man as large as Donovan Dijak is comfortably placed in a flippy tag, but you know he is. He's that that is what he is. He's incredible for his size, and it's it's almost easy to forget how crazy it is that what he does. Um, so yeah, um, as exciting as me reading out a list uh, on a podcast as I'm I sure <laughs> was, and sorry if you had just had to sit next uh, through that and you've already seen all those matches, but if there's any of those matches you haven't seen, I highly, highly recommend every single one of them. Uh, it's been a great year for BritRest so far. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, two more categories left to talk about. Uh, do you want to do Show of the Year or Promotion of the Year first? Ooh, let's do Show of the Year first. Right, so I kind of for a proviso, I need to say I cherry pick um, shows. I very rarely Horribly. watch shows <laughs> um, in full um, that aren't uh, that I'm not at live or not reviewing. Um, so show of the year probably isn't my best category. But what <laughs> I care about in wrestling, and it's happened more so uh, in the last last year or so that I cut back my wrestling watching because um, I went from watching like I was on target for like 2,400 matches in 2016 at one point um, in like October before I cut back and kind of went yeah I can't really afford to this time commitment anymore uh, I've cut it more more than in half but I didn't want to like cut any promotions out so I ended up just being far more picky in what I watched so instead of watching full shows I read a lot of reviews, look at a lot of star ratings, and cherry pick out. So what I care about um, in wrestling nowadays is just, while I appreciate a good storyline, it's pretty much just good matches, and that's what carries uh, things for me. I, I care about great matches. I'd rather you have um, one great match on a show and everything else be terrible than um, a match, a show full of three-star matches um, because I'm not going to watch all the terrible matches. I'm just going to pick out the great match. Mm. Um, so that's like explaining my perspective that I'm going to be sharing on show of the year, which I feel a little dirty even offering an opinion on show of the year, <laughs> having not watched full shows. Um, but th that will especially play into promotion of the year, where I feel I do have uh, more of a valid voice. But at the same time, um, what I care about is great matches. So And maybe I'll surprise you a little on what I'm I'm going for for promotion of the year, but yeah, with with that kind of proviso out the way, my free show of the year that I picked out, chapter forty five, um, from March for progress, uh, it had the the Hunter Brothers versus Ring Camp, uh, which was a great great match. It had my favourite UK match of the year, which I've just gone through with Mark Andrews Will Osprey, and then I remember, um, it having some other. It being fairly consistent in most reviews as well. Uh, there was Power Trip versus British Strong Style, I believe, is the opening match. Um, and uh, it had Pete Dunne, Jimmy Havoc, the hardcore match, which is probably their best match together. Uh, so yeah, that was a strong show, definitely. And, and probably that, probably the best Manchester show ever. Was that the Flash Morgan Webster versus Nathan Cruz match as well? That got a lot. Of, it didn't do huge amounts for me, but I know a lot yeah. of people loved it. That was weird when I saw like um the the main voices of wrestling account give it like four and a half stars or something. I'm like, oh, 
did they see the same <laughs> match as me? Because I was like, it was it was good. Like it was certainly one of the better matches um, either guy's been in. But I didn't think it was like four star threshold breaking, which is kind of like the threshold for when you're saying like, yeah, everyone's got to watch this if it goes like above four stars. Yeah, I certainly didn't think it was anything like that. I know Ian Hamilton loved it as well. I think he threw four and a half at it as well. And I was like, it was on his recommendation I watched it because I, I remember watching um, the big four matches that you listed um, from the show. And then like later, Ian's review came out. I went and looked through that and went, oh, Morgan Webster versus uh, Nathan Cruz. I need to watch this. Okay, I will, I guess. And I watched it and I was like, well... I haven't seen the same thing everyone else has seen, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was still a very good show, yeah, even though, and that. probably Progress's best of the year, because none of the Super Strong Style shows were, like, overall amazing. Like, the weekend as a whole was very, very good, um, but, like, there were certainly peaks and trowels to it. My uh, second favourite show of the year, um, High Stakes, right from the beginning. Yeah, um, really, really good one. Obviously, the two huge matches, uh, Shibata and Riddle, and Sabre Jr. versus Girl, which both delivered. Mm -hmm. And it had the, the, like, the two title matches as well, the Bowden Smile and War Machine versus, well, this will make you feel old, Sterling and Redman. Um, <laughs> remember them. Pre-CCK tag division days. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, both of those were very good too. So good undercard and the two big matches delivered on that one. And then um, I think if I had to pick a third, I'd probably go... Um, Strong Style Night 2, but that is just because I really enjoyed, as I said, the, the sprint between uh, Flamita and Banks and the Riddle mm -hmm. Cobb match. Um, but I I don't, I feel like I that didn't add, have the consistency. Um, yeah, no. I, I gotta add um, the 16 Carat Night 3 to it, simply because of a 5 star match and the two semi the two semi-finals. Um, Walter versus Riddle and Dragonov versus Bad Bones were both really good, and the flippy tag, the Dijak Dunn um, versus ACH and Mike Bailey, was a hell of a lot of fun. And like, there was that really long, long um, tag team gauntlet match on that show, which <laughs> if you, it, you're very welcome to skip. Um, but everything else on that show, I think, really worked, and obviously the huge main event. Yeah, that's a solid shout. That. Now that I'm looking at it, I might actually have that ahead of um, that the night two of strong style. But yeah, they're they're around the same. They're they're all three very uh, four very good shows. Um, but I think chapter forty five really stands out as as number one for me. Uh, with high stakes not too far behind, and then there being a bit of a golf after that. Um, but hopefully we'll see some more tremendous shows throughout the, the second half of the year to compete with that. Uh, so then. From promotion of the year, um, I know a lot of people, especially like in the Brit Rest Twitter sphere, they've been all <laughs> about Fight Club Pro this year. For me, they don't even make the top three. For me, my number one's progress, and that's driven predominantly on the strength of the very start of the year. Um, that run from chapter, I guess chapter 43 to 45 was comfortably the the best um set of shows progress have ever done and like just incredible match after incredible match there uh and then it kind of it did dip a little between 45 and strong style but then um i think there was a you know some good very very good stuff on strong style um 
Progress have kind of stopped being the cool promotion in the UK now. Um, wow, thanks, mate. Pardon? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being a, a, a nasty Twitter um, cynic, cynic, referencing the, the Twitter drama from earlier oh, right, today. right, <laughs> That went straight over my head. I was like, wait, what? Are, have, I, <laughs> have I said something strange? Like, um, you have not offended but, me. Uh, inter- Brawl equals trash. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is. <laughs> I'm not arguing with that one. Um, but yeah, Progress had a lot more like cool buzz around them. Um, in previous years, but for me, they've had their comfortably their best ever in ring year this year. I think between chapter forty three and forty five, if you just like said spread those matches out over the year, you could still make the argument that they that was <laughs> their best ever uh, set yeah. of uh, matches compared to previous years. Um, I, they've lost some of the cool factor, but as I said, I care about great matches, so for me, that's that puts that's put them at number one. Yeah. I don't think uh, they've definitely had um, their strongest in ring year this year. I would say, like the the ring camp, the power trip, Riddle, uh, the Jack Sexsmith stuff. It, it's all been really good. The British Strong Style matches have been really good. Um, obviously, they have they've had some other stuff that has <laughs> reduced their cool factor somewhat um, of the WWE stuff. I I know people aren't fan. Like I'm not even particularly a fan of it. Um, some of the stories haven't been amazing. Obviously, there's the controversy now, which we may get into on a future show when we review it, is the British Strong Style CCK story. Um, but like you say, you can get overwrought with the stories, and people are getting very angsty, both defending it and, um, like, saying it's shit. <laughs> it's, it's neither. It's, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, but the in-ring has been good, and like you say, but like that string of shows where they were just banging out matches with the guys they had. It was a really good, good set of guys. Um, a couple of them have moved on now. Obviously, Ring Camp, Power Trip gone now. But yeah, <laughs> it's certainly been a good string of shows for progress. Even if like the whole package hasn't been on the same level as it has been before. Yeah. So my number two's Rev Pro. Um, I think they've had a good year. I don't. Th- They've kind of stayed in the lane, done good stuff, had good cockpit shows, um, and in previous years they'd probably be in the lead, but I just think progress has been so strong through the start of the year, and they're gaining on progress, if that makes sense. Um, Progress started terrifically between, like, uh, January to, like, April, uh, and then in the last two months have been, they've been good, but they haven't, like, um, been hitting it out of the park like they were. I think Refro definitely won January because their first cockpit show of the year was really strong and had that great six-man main event. And then High Stakes was really awesome too. And it's been slightly downhill since then, but cockpit has remained consistent. And I think they definitely needed that programming in their schedule to have like the consistently good um, cockpit shows just to, to keep them afloat from big like York Hall show to York Hall show, which they didn't have a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're definitely in touch, and then they're throughout the the summer through the end of the year. I think they we've got how many more? We've, I think we've got three more York Hall shows in the second half of the year. We've got uh, Summer Sizzler, Uprising, and Global Wars UK. We probably I think we'll probably have one tournament as opposed to two. I think the third tournament will end up slotting in earlier in the year. Um, I'm guessing it will probably be the tag tournament. Um, we'll slot in sometime later in the year. 
we've obviously got six more cockpit, well, five more cockpit shows now, then we'll probably also have another Walthamstow show for the Global Wars, because I imagine that will be a double shot again this year. So yeah, they've 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 probably got a slightly busier schedule in the second half of the year than they have in the first half of the year, and they've, if anything, I think they're they're even better set up to to succeed in the second half of the year. They've they've brought in some, not even necessarily better guys, but more over guys in terms of uh, UK guys. Like, I wouldn't feel 100% confident in saying that Lycos is better than Redman as a wrestler. But he's definitely more over, so from that I think he'll have better matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so bringing in guys like that, I, I think it well set, sets them up uh, going into the second half of the year. And I wouldn't be shocked to, by the end of the year for me to be saying RevPro is my promotion of the year. But at the moment they're a little bit behind progress. Uh, and then in number three I've got WXW, who I think have had a strong year. Um, the, the typical problem with WXW is... They peak twice a year, and throughout the rest of the year, they're not entirely aimed at us. They're not entirely aimed at the hardcore. Um, they have had good stuff that isn't um, 16 Carat, but like the inevitable problem is they only book two weekends a year aimed at like the hardcore, hardcore fan. Yeah, and like aimed at the English speaking audience. Yeah. Like they do, they obviously do have a lot of English content, and obviously they do the weekly shotgun stuff in English. Uh, with like the English subtitles and stuff, but it's not aimed at us. It is firmly aimed at the German market. So yeah, <laughs> in much the same way, like ICW isn't aimed at us. It's aimed at the Glaswegian market. And I and I'm not trying to say that they're doing anything wrong by doing that. That's like where no, they're no, based. No, it's 100 the right decision. Smart business. <laughs> but in terms of like what's going to be our favorite promotion, while we may both absolutely love Kara, we both absolutely love World Tag Team League. You know, like six shows clumped together, especially, um, it, it's gonna be hard for them to to truly mm. um go number one compared to like a Rev Pro, which is a hundred percent aimed at us. It's aimed at basically yeah. it's aimed at New Japan fans who live in the UK. I will say, um, from my perspective, having the best match <laughs> certainly puts them high up. Yeah, like, yeah. Walter Dragonov probably won't be topped in the second half of the year, so they've always had that. And also, from a live perspective, I thoroughly enjoyed 16 Carat, and so they did nail that aspect of the year. Like, if if they are going to have to nail two weekends a year, they certainly um, aced the first one. So, they're, they're definitely in a running, I would say, but probably not in the lead, no. They'd have to absolutely blow it. Like, I think you have to see all of WXW's, like, big shows that aren't World Tag Team League in the second half of the year, like, over-deliver on expectations for them to be up there. But, like, I think they're, they're well-served for third place at the moment. Where do you see the, the little guys, Fight Club Pro, Attack, etc.? Uh, Attack? See, if, if I watched a lot of Attack, I feel like I'd have them pretty high. But because I do cherry-pick, they're not necessarily the right promotion to cherry-pick, if that makes sense. They're very continuity-based. They're very yeah, fun yeah, yeah. to watch, like, full shows. But like in terms of like great matches, they do have great matches occasionally, but that's not their bread and butter. But I, I I'd have no problem with someone saying that they are the, their promotion of the year. It's just different to what I want from wrestling. Uh, and Fight Club Pro, for me, it's overhyped. Uh, it's it's driven by cool. They've kind of gone away from what they were. They've they've gone from being like, I, I guess like a 
almost a British Big Japan, strong Big Japan type feel to kind of now being like the PWG feel. They're, they're UK PWG now. Yeah, no, I, I do know what you mean. There was that feel like when they when they first put, started putting shows on Vimeo that this was like super underground and it was grimy as hell. And like they had matches like Callahan versus Seven, which which just felt very raw and very rough and tumble. Whereas now, yeah, it is a bit like super indie, y and it's it, it hasn't lost its identity. I wouldn't say it's just kind of, and I, don't, I certainly don't want to be a, be a, a hipster yet again on this podcast. <laughs> That's like my character now is just saying incredibly hipster things. Um, but yeah, like it, it's not quite what it used to be, I guess. There's comedy in every match now, and it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's to all a bit degree, on the nose. Yeah, and it they 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 kind of changed their style slightly from like you used to. It used to be very very hard hitting, but it didn't used to be finisher spam kickouts. Where now you yeah, get a yeah. lot more of finisher spam kickouts, and it's it's not quite my thing as much anymore. But yeah. They they haven't had a bad year by any means, and they're what of... what they are doing well is producing new guys. Like, oh yeah, coming yeah. like coming out of the Fight Club Pro Dojo, there's a lot of talent, and I think in the next couple of years we're gonna see like the next wave of guys because we well, there is sort of like there, there is sort of um a gap to be filled in sort of those guys who nobody has heard of, guys like the Kyle Fletchers of the world and Mark Davis. Uh, guys who could potentially be really big stars in three or four years' time, but just very, very like hush hush. Nobody really knows about them right now. And I think they're gonna emanate out of Fight Club Pro, so that's that's where they're leading right now. Yeah. Um. The the two top schools to my eyes at the moment seem to be uh, Dragon Pro in in uh, Wales, um, which I think Wild Boar is the main trainer at, and then the Fight yeah. Club Pro school where Travis. Banks, I believe, is yeah, it's Travis Banks. Yeah, they 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 seem to be the two places churning out the most consistently good talent and most like ready. Whereas, I think for a long time I'd have said like, what has the Portsmouth school done? Um, that's linked to RevPro, uh, that Andy trains at. But if you look at the latest batch of like contenders, they've taken quite a while to get there, but they are very good and they've got a very good fundamental basis. But they they're not like Omari. You could you could push him now, whereas like Josh Wall, he's several years away. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. necessarily even saying that Omari is like in terms of in ring matches is having like amazingly better matches than like a Josh Wall. He's just he's got more charisma and yeah. more of like that he's, he's that feel polished, to him. Definitely. Yeah. But like, um, it it's been cool to see that contenders and like the the Portsmouth school has started like. The talent from there has started, like, um, you're beginning to see the fruits of their labour there. Because um, for the yeah, longest yeah, time, it becoming was like, what, more well-rounded. It was, it was a, the school that was attached to Rev Pro, and you're like, well, who have you who have you made? I guess you've made Bowden, which, you know, he's a very good wrestler, um, <laughs> despite popular belief. Um, uh, and I guess James Castle, I think, is from Portsmouth. Um, yeah, yeah. Who we weren't the biggest fan of and he's, <laughs> he's improved slowly um and, and i guess you are seeing from the ports of the school a lot of the guys have ended up being like a slow burn i guess um but yeah in terms of like star ready it is the dragon pro school uh in wales uh that's loosely linked with attack um 
a little bit. They they run some joint joint shows with them, and then the Fight Club Pro School that are they're churning the the best the best talent out. Um, whereas the Projo seems to be a little bit um. For a while there, they were they were looking looking good, but I don't know. I guess since Havoc stopped training there, hasn't been wowing me. Yeah, they've got Sexsmith and the Eva, who are, and of course Ginny, who are kind of like the, the the top graduates. But yeah, there's not any guys like on the Freedoms Road stuff that are really jumping out. Um, certainly, some to keep an eye on. <laughs> if you could like fuse the 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 um the charisma teaching at the Projo with the um, the the fundamental basics at Portsmouth, you'd have a kick-ass training school. <laughs> well, I mean, not sure the the Dazzler's quite the the person to be teaching charisma, but uh, oh, we're just burying yeah. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, well. Maybe maybe it's so, time to the third hour. <laughs> yeah, we're just about to start reaching towards the third hour. We did have some pre-show talk, so I, I think that's a little. Uh, I guess that audacity would be the perfect time to. Yeah, we're we're just shy of the, the third hour, so we should probably edit this all up. out so we don't piss anyone off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Voicesofwrestling.com/slash/seatgeek, uh, Voicesofwrestling.com/slash/amazon, and whatever the third one is, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm forgetting. Uh, WWE Shop. Go to them. Uh, you don't have to spend a penny extra, and it helps us out a bit. Uh, lets us help with the server costs and stuff like that. Reviews going up on the site all the time from obviously um, WWE New Japan, which is kind of the, the site's bread and butter. But uh, but uh, Europe, uh, Europe as well, especially. Uh, been really proud of what we've done in the first uh, half of the year. I think we've put out just. Just over fifty reviews in the first half of the year, which is quite the awesome, quite the achievement for us. Uh, and all of the, I'd like to think of the, a pretty high, high quality. We've expanded the roster a little in the the last year, and we've been able to to cover more and more places. Um, and we're going to attempt to continue to do that throughout the second half of the year. So um, all the big European shows will hopefully have reviews of. Um, yeah, uh, Ollie, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, my Twitter at another Ollie. Uh, talk to me there. Um, I'm reviewing the British Shake Up, which we've been talking about, and you can also find my weekly musings on Eurograps in the F4W newsletter. Uh, great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the R Double. That's T H E R D O U B L E. Uh, if you haven't yet, uh, you can still vote on the uh retrospective um retrospective uh, from last year's Eurodraft thing. We haven't had too many votes on that, so maybe I should have just kept it as a Twitter poll. Um, so that does mean that your vote means all the more. So um, get on that. There's, uh, You can find the poll um, for that. Uh, I think I've pinned it on my Twitter. It's also on the notes for the episode um, that we did last week. And... Um, on the forum post and the site post. So there's plenty of ways to, to find the poll. Yeah, we... Oh, I can officially announce, now that I've actually got around to asking them, uh, that the two people that we will be having on as guests later in the month uh, for the Euro Draft will be Callum Leslie um, of Progress Commentating fame and um, esports and all that stuff that I'm not overly familiar with, 
um, as well as uh, Ian will be returning. So, yep, thanks to them in the future for agreeing to come on. <laughs> um, and thanks to all of you for listening to this episode. It's ended up as a kind of a long one, although we'll edit down. It probably won't be too much over an hour and three quarters, but yeah. Inevitably, whenever I'm on, I ramble and things go long. Um, People like the rambling. Do they? <laughs> it's enjoyable. Do they? Um, it, let me know. It's exciting. Let me you know. never know what we're going to talk about next. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who will be next to be buried? Um, poor <laughs> Dazzler. Poor um, Thanks for listening again. And see you next week. Uh, two weeks' time. Not next week. See you in two weeks. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.